All right, it is that time again, the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. We need to play Christmas music of some sort. It Can just, I sing some? No, 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 Why? no. We're going to do. You're very bossy. Well, <laughs> see, it's whimsical. See, now it's Christmas time. I wanted to sing. <laughs> okay, go I for it. I wanted to go, go for it. What child is this to Okay. Um, didn't it feel better Well, now? this is a terrible time to introduce our friends and partners, and we'll see how long they stick with us. Compassion International, uh, this this uh, podcast now powered by Compassion they International. They have compassion. Yeah, well, and that's true. And you should. And <laughs> <laughs> on my singing. <laughs> uh, you can find out more about compassion and sponsoring a child, and we'll have uh, something really cool called Hope Notes. You can hear from a child overseas at the very end of this podcast. I'm really um, grateful that we're, hope, we're with them. Now. Oh, yeah. Hopeondemand.com to, oh, to see more about compassion. So right. I love compassion. Um, uh, in, in all seriousness, I, I'm very excited about our partnership with these guys. Uh, so today... In continuing with Christmas traditions revealed. That's where you did the explosion sound effect. Yeah, Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, You know, I kind of feel like we left something special out on last week's. Okay. And it was Christmas trees if you didn't catch last week's episode. It's about Christmas trees and, you know, the the whole Christmas tree decorating tradition. Where did it come from? That's what we talked about. But it is interesting that it wasn't really until the king and queen back in the 1800s, I believe. Um, I would have to go back and, and get the exact date on that. But there was this drawing of them gathered around the tree. Queen Victoria and I believe uh, Prince Albert. Okay. And they were gathered around the tree with the kids. And it was a smaller tree. Apparently in Europe it was a, they were more received the smaller trees that you would set up on a table as opposed to the, you know, the fuller length trees that we have now that reach to the ceiling right. from our floors. But there was a picture of that that was going around and it suddenly something that was not at all embraced or accepted in North America. Well, if it's good enough in England, they saw the picture here in the United States. Fascinating. And what year was this? I think it was the 1800s. Okay. All right. I mean, now I want to Google it. I got my phone. You talk while we're, I lo- We're talking about the, you know, these traditions that where do we get them? We we do them. Uh, some Sometimes people are like, you may hear somebody say, well, Christmas trees, you're not supposed to celebrate that. Actually, there's nothing biblical about that. Uh, so to make sure it's just a, a an add-on yeah. and not necessarily the point of Christmas. Of course, Jesus being the point of Christmas. And it's just fun to celebrate some of these things. So today we'll get to carols. Quite fascinating information about where Christmas carols come from, but did you find what year it is for for Christmas trees? 1840s. 1840s. And we just copycatted that. We just, well, wow. They're going to do it. We're going to do it. Less than 100 years after we broke off from them. (laughs) Oh, but but what do you have over there? (laughs) It's it's like saying, no, I'm not hungry. And then, oh, but do you got pizza? It does show, it, it is interesting. I just, I'm cautioned when I look back at the history of things, something that we have truly embraced in a special and sweet way today, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, should we be celebrating this at all when you kind of look back at the history of some things and you find it, quote, sketchy? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just reminded, first of all, I don't want to be a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and secondly, if God has spoken to me through a tradition that has been a sweet set of circumstances. It's a sweet situation in my family. You know, I, I just want to hold on to those truths. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and recognize history absolutely and say, this is what it was in the past, but this is what I'm choosing to use it for now. You know, there's a very real reason why the scripture tells us in Lamentations that his mercies are new every morning. 
No, today is a new day. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to I'm going to grab hold of it today, and I'm going to choose to use it for His glory in some way. Um, I I think that things can be redeemed. Jesus proved that by redeeming us. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, I, that, but that can be a struggle. I know at this time of year, it's like, well, the tradition to, of um, the Christmas tree. And today we're going to talk about Christmas carols. Uh, to be honest with you, I've never thought twice about Christmas, Christmas carols. Uh, no, they just, they're yeah. Christmas songs. What's wrong with them? Well, it kind of goes back uh, to what we were talking about, even with the Christmas tree. Winter solstice is considered a, quote, pagan the holiday. Mm-hmm. We even talked about it in the last episode of, in, in regards to the history of it and uh, civilizations recognizing, you know, just the passing of seasons, basically. And it, yeah, there there were pagan type things that were attached to this turning point. We've chosen to celebrate Christmas time about the same time as, quote, winter solstice, right? And so uh, we do not know the birth date of Jesus. Some have guesstimated even in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. But we have chosen to redeem this situation, the time that that others were celebrating a pagan holiday, to celebrate Jesus. And It seemed like what the early church did was see that celebration going on in society that, mm-hmm. that wasn't about Jesus and go, well, we have a celebration. Let's just celebrate our reason, the reason, right here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it sparks conversation uh, like it can today. You can point out, oh, yeah, well, you celebrate, you know, Christmas and yeah. very general of maybe you're just the the Hallmark movies and the Coco and stuff like that. <laughs> but did you know? And then just it, if you're celebrating something at the same time in the world celebrating, but you have like the meaning of life. What a great end for conversation. Absolutely. So not to be fearful of an opportunity to redeem a situation mm-hmm. is really what we're, we're trying to hit on with this series and saying what may have been intended at one point for evil, God can use for good. And that's scriptural. So we're talking about Christmas carols. Why did I bring up winter solstice again? Apparently songs were sung about that. Oh, okay. I don't think we should be surprised about that. From the beginning, God gave man and woman a voice. He gave us, uh, some would even question whether or not you have rhythm, <laughs> you know, Inward rhythm for Rochelle, that's a struggle. Try it. Try it. It's pretty rough. That that sounded okay. It wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. I've had moments where it's like, I can't, you know, the patting of the head and rubbing of the tummy at the same time is difficult (laughs) for me. Right. But uh, he he gave us a voice to speak, to sing music. It has healing properties in it. I mean, we see in, in the Old Testament, David, before he became King David, was hired to sing and comfort King Saul, who was very troubled in spirit, mm-hmm. and he would come in, he'd play his harp, and we read through the Psalms, which if you split your Bible down the middle right there, you'll find the book of Psalms. It's the largest in the Bible, and it's song after song after song. Many of them David wrote um, while playing his harp, but being shepherd in the fields, right? I actually heard a, a thing the other day about how we have Americanized what it means to be a man. And it's like, you like football and you're tough. And, you know, and it's like, no, like, look at the Bible. David played a harp. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can do anything <laughs> unto the Lord. It doesn't yeah. have to be tough. You can play a harp, And man. he totally took down the tallest guy ever. Ex- exactly. So, exactly. You tell me. Yeah. Manly? Right. Yes. Just saying. Amen and amen. So music, my point being, music has been around since the beginning of time. And just because I, I, I remember this statement that the church made when I was a kid growing up in the church saying, why is, why should the devil get all the good music? Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. shouldn't. 
Right. So we found contemporary Christian music starting to arrive on the scene. And, you know, the Amy Grants and the Michael W. Smiths came out. And then Striper, the hair band for Christian music, came out. And so it's just proving, look, we can take a beat and we can make it amazing right. with Christian lyrics. And so Christmas hymns have been around since I read as early as 129 A.D. Wow. Yeah. And they have been a thing. Now, there's a lot of misinformation out there. In fact, I remember hearing most of the years of my life, so many of the songs that we sing in the church used to be songs that were commonly sung in the bars. Oh, interesting. In like uh, folk type situations, they, they were known tunes. And so people would take Christian lyrics and put them to those tunes. And that's how it would go. Not always the case. Okay. Actually, Martin Luther wrote a lot of hymns. And they would call it, um, like, the reference bar song would be made, but it wasn't necessarily about tavern music. It was a it was a musical reference, like as in bars, music bars. Oh, oh, I see. I believe I that's see. what it meant. Yeah. So that, that, I think there's some sketchiness there in terms of like, well, what actually is the thing? We find that more, don't we, now that the internet exists? It's like, well, what really is the thing? Oh, my goodness. We have <laughs> these legends that are kind of passed down, old wives' tales, from generation to generation, we start to believe it. Is this real? Well, yeah. I, I think uh, one of the things that I think about with the Internet is, <laughs> uh, you know, don't believe every, the quote is don't believe everything you read on the Internet. And of course, uh, Teddy Roosevelt said that. <laughs> and I read that on the Internet. So I know you it's, it's legitimate. Internet. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Right. <laughs> so exactly our point. You know, you got to be careful and you have to do your research. But uh, it, it is interesting for the song Green Sleeves. There's a lot of questionable history behind that song, and it has the tune which I started to sing at the beginning, or if you can call it singing. But do you know that as at Christmas time? Uh oh, okay. This is one of those. This is like a good game. We we hum it. You sing the words. I sang it at the beginning. I know, of the podcast, but I was trying Carter. to drown you out. Remember? Ah. Uh, that's not midnight clear, is it? Really? What is it? What child is, is this? Okay, so that's it. <laughs> it is interesting. It was an insurance guy. An insurance guy. That song, that tune, a lot of people have been singing. It was very common, mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm sure it was sung in taverns, but. It was so popular, people would try their hand at writing their own words to it. Okay. And this insurance guy, he was having one of those um, amazing spiritual type experiences in his life. He's like, I'm going to write Christmas music and I'm going to put Christian lyrics to this. And he wrote, what child is this? This guy to this wow. song that had been around. So in some instances, we see that, yes, there were uh, pre-existing tunes that people would, quote, Christianize. But Christmas hymns, like I said, have been around as early as 129 A.D., maybe even earlier. We don't know. I mean, Paul never wrote it down in the New Testament. I was going to say, that's that's getting close to that time. But you know, 129 A.D., my goodness. Exactly. It's just fascinating, the history of that. And we have seen Christmas carols, um, I think, since 4th century into the 12th century. They said that you would start hearing uh, more things added into Christmas songs, like uh, like even the barnyard animals type Okay. Things would be added in, and uh, I know probably certain songs are coming to your mind. I wonder if it was Away in a Manger or, you know. The Christmas hymns are some of the most beautiful hymns ever written, and their their history is rich and deep, and I invite you to check them out. Uh, one that's very popular is I Heard the Bells 
on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. The gentleman who wrote that was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Oh, yeah, I've heard that name. You've heard that long name. And his story is quite remarkable. And usually these stories, you only hear it in part. And then when you hear the whole thing, you're like, oh, my word. Mm -hmm. That makes the song that much better. Sometimes you hear that even with modern Christian music today when you find out the song that blessed you so much had this huge impact on the artist who wrote it himself. Right. right? But Henry, his wife, they had several children. Um, He loved her dearly. There was this one day, wind comes whipping through the window and her dress is immediately ignited because the wind had whipped some of the wax and and from a candle onto her dress. It lights up on fire. He quickly comes in. He tries to extinguish the flames himself. His hands are severely burned. As he's trying to save her life, he, he doesn't succeed. So now he's widowed. Imagine the guilt you would feel. Mm. I could have saved her. That, that's what he thought. I don't think that there was any hope, especially with the layers the women used to wear back in the day. So years and years and years later, still dealing with the grief of all of this, his eldest son... Uh, is in the Civil War, and he's shot through the shoulder. It's like an inch away from paralyzing him right there in his spine. But it, it, the the whole experience itself and nearly losing his eldest son and having lost his wife and just the trauma of all of it. This man writes the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And so you really feel it when you get to that part. In despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong. You're seeing that during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Yeah, wow. Powerful. This poem becoming a hymn and... We sing it at Christmas time, and um, caroling was something that it's actually interesting. It was designated for the more well-to-do in the community when they would sing Christmas carols. It was a group of people. Usually, they would have to wait until Christmas Eve or so to do it. In fact, the the groups of people were called waits. Waits, <laughs> like as in waiting. Okay, all right. Waits, and, and yeah, they would start singing Christmas carols. Then it got banned for a while. Like the Puritans who took over England for a brief period, they tried to ban Christmas songs. Why? I don't know. All right. I mean, I know they had some, you know, strict beliefs. Maybe. Well, maybe it felt a little risque. Mm. Maybe some of the connection. I mean, you look back again, songs like Green Sleeves that were questionable. uh, We're going to stop singing. We're going to focus on oatmeal. Puritans. (laughs) That's oh, Quaker. Oh, oh, sorry. That's the Quaker. <laughs> oh, I just offended somebody 300 years ago. Oh, my goodness. All right. But, you know, it's just, it's interesting when you watch the going back and forth of tradition. And I would imagine, you know, today we have our own spats in the church. Mm-hmm. And I call it spat. That's a cute word. No, these, we're talking, speaking of barroom, barroom fights, mm-hmm. it feels like sometimes just taking punches left and right on social media at each other's beliefs and denominations. And why do you think this and say that? And you're wrong and you're wrong. And I, I almost feel like in those moments when I start to get enraged over something that I'm angry about and feel might be unjust in some way, 
Jesus's reminder to his disciples, you do not know of what spirit you are. Mm-hmm. When you kind of take those tones, um, we get we get all out of shape about stuff. Sometimes I wonder the Holy of Holies is like, this is not matter. If you are bringing honor and glory to my name, if it touches someone in a way that changes their life forever and their eternity forever, you know, these are the things that matter. And I think so much of Christmas songs bringing honor to God. And yeah, it feels like a no-brainer to me, but I, I'm sure that, yeah, that people fought it. Something we do every year, and I'm going to I'm gonna turn on the fireplace real quick if, oh, you, turn on the if fire. you don't mind. That'd be lovely. Oh. There we go. Okay. Very nice. Rochelle, we're going to all think. sit down mm. and you tell the story of Placide. Placide. So here's a guy. I know this feels kind of like a boozy podcast. I don't mean it to be, but uh, he sold wine. Yeah, well, that's he true. He was a wine merchant. And it was in France that he hadn't been to church for a while. And his priest noticed the empty pew where Placide probably should be sitting. And uh, it comes to him. And he says, hey, I want you to write something for Christmas Mass. I don't know the story behind that. I don't know if this guy dabbled in poetry. I think he did. He must have uh, done something to where the priest had noticed and the priest took a chance. Would you write something? And I don't think even Placide himself would have even recognized his own voice when his words just tumbled out. Sure, I, I will write something for Christmas Mass. This is a guy who's not been in church. What, I'm going to write something that's going to bless the congregation? Yeah. But he decided to undertake this commission and... Uh, found himself on a dusty road in a wagon in one of those coaches you see in olden times and he has parchment and quill and he's ready to write after going over the book of Luke and reading the Christmas story and he's trying to picture what it would have been like he's trying to picture the setting what's the best way I could describe this and he comes up with the words. And not only does he come up with the words and realize that after he is done writing this something for Christmas Mass, I think this could be a song. Mm. This feels special. He has a very good friend who's Jewish and is a, a composer. And he says, I think I've written something that could be a song. Would you give it a listen? And this Jewish composer gentleman, he said, sure. And ends up writing... Christmas music, which, I mean, you think about it, this is a different faith from his, but he writes this incredible music to go along with the words from Luke chapter two. And he presents this song to the priest who immediately is like, yes, this will do. This will do well. (laughs) After it's presented, it catches on like wildfire, for lack of a better term, until uh, it is banned as we find out many songs do become banned. Uh, they found out that the gentleman who wrote the music was Jewish. Also, oh, they canceled the song. Canceled. It's not until later in the United States that an abolitionist finds the music. And he says, we got to bring this one back. 
It's been in the underground church for long enough. Let's bring this out into the open because we need to remember our freedom through Jesus Christ. And the hymn is O Holy Night. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is that is an incredible story of, of that song. Of course, we all know it to be probably the most beautiful of all Christmas songs. Certainly but... the most famous. Wow. Yeah. That is something. You think about the way that God used the nobody on the back pew that never showed up at church. Yeah. <laughs> a gentleman who's not even of the same faith. But everybody's touched in this story. And um, I just, it, it's a reminder to me to be careful what we choose to cancel. We choose to put a ban on and say, Father, would you lead and guide us? Your words have instruction in them. But you also say that your word is life. It is spirit and life. Would you speak to me through the words that are on your pages in your Bible? Help me to interpret the heart behind what was written. So we see things in black and white and we immediately write things off. Well, we can't do this because this, the Bible says this. The spirit breathes life through the words. When we find the heart of what is written on the page, we find the heart of God. Yeah, that is such a good reminder. And speaking of the heart of God, something that we're passionate about, um, our partnership with Compassion International, perhaps you've heard uh, of them. We want to present Hope Notes to you, something you heard at the end of this podcast each and every week of how you can sponsor a child somewhere uh, on planet Earth. They're in so many different countries and you're spreading, I mean, first of all, the message of Jesus, but this month, the Christmas message but Healy is 13 years old. He got sponsored a few years ago, and he said this, I never used to get excited during Christmas, never used to prepare myself for it, but my sponsor, Tom, changed that. When he told me that Christmas was his favorite day, I also started loving it. And isn't it amazing that a gift can do that? Mm -hmm. That Christmas time can do that. When somebody, because a gift, it means I'm cared for. I'm loved. Yeah. It's not even about the materialistic thing because oftentimes, you know, those toys will break like that. We all know that from our own experiences, but we will never forget the experience of receiving that gift. And so Jesus right there is like able to to be brought in to the midst of a celebration experience because love is brought in with kindness. And I, that's what I love about compassion and being able to reach these children for Jesus by being there and meeting very physical needs. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing, they don't go to countries and build a big warehouse. They they operate through the local church. Yes. And so you have uh, pastors that are already there on the ground that already have a church. They just work with compassion for the resources. So you're helping them get involved in, in an actual church. And also like in Fahili's case, he said he was going to school and got sent home multiple days because he couldn't pay the school fees. Mm. Different governments work different ways, and yeah. you got to pay for school in some countries like that. If you can't pay for the uniform or the fees, well, then you don't go to school. And when he got sponsored, now he's able to go to school, get an education, and then after school, learn about Jesus yeah. and get fed. He was even sharing about the embarrassment of being brought up in front of the entire class. You yeah. have to go home because yeah. you can't pay. Ugh. And so, yeah, you're meeting physical needs, and then because Jesus is brought into it, 
spiritual needs as well. It's it's such a blessing to be a part of it. You can find out more about Compassion at HopeOnDemand.com. Obviously, that's where you find the podcast, too. Yep, a lot of other great resources at HopeOnDemand.com. And next week, we'll get to one of the big ones here about Christmas traditions revealed. How about that old Saint Nick? You want to cancel Santa? No, we're not going to cancel Santa. Oh, my goodness. But we'll learn about the history next week here on the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, powered by Compassion International. (laughs) 